Now they want him to wait for them to grow up so they can marry him. The boys don't see his life as sad. We know he has a PlayStation, even though he's never mentioned having children, which means he must live the life we all dream of someday, where he can come home from school, eat what he wants, and play video games all night if he feels like it, which must be great, except lately it seems like maybe it's not. When I remind Jeremy how Mr. Norris has been late to everything, Jeremy thinks about it and admits he's noticed a few things, too. Like Mr. Norris closing his eyes during Shoshana's oral book report on when Zachary Beaver came to town. We're supposed to pick out a theme to talk about in our oral book reports. Supposedly, Shoshana's a really good reader. She always reads thick books, at least. But that day... I wondered if maybe she missed something. The main theme of this book is that Zachary Beaver is really fat, Shoshana said. Fatter than any of us will ever be. I looked over at Mr. Norris to see if he would say anything and realized he wasn't closing his eyes to listen better. He was asleep. After a while, even Shoshana noticed and stopped doing her book report. Mr. Norris? she said. Nothing. Mr. Norris, she said again. Still nothing. I started to panic a little. After this summer, I've learned that bad things can happen really fast. I wondered if someone could die sitting up. A few other people must have thought the same thing, because eventually, Seamus held up his hand in front of Mr. Norris's mouth. Still breathing, he whispered. We all looked at one another. No one knew what to do. It was like being alone in the house after your parents have left, but before the babysitter comes over. You could do anything at all. You just can't think of what. That was weird, Jeremy says now, finishing up his lunch. You might be right. Something freaky is going on with Mr. N., I lean across the table and tell Jeremy, I want to figure out what it is. I almost tell him I have some ideas from clues I've noticed, but before I can say what they are, Jeremy's attention has drifted to the stage in our cafetorium. Our principal, Mr. Wilder, and our assistant principal, Ms. Crocker, are setting up a presentation. There's a bright green poster with a yellow footprint that has one footprint at a time written on it. They unroll another banner that says, We are a community of helpers, and tape it to a table behind the podium. Poor Ms. Crocker is terrible at getting things like duct tape to work right. First it sticks to her hands, then to her shirt. Before Mr. Norris came along, Ms. Crocker was the adult I loved most at school, She wears her blonde, curly hair piled up like a messy bird's nest on top of her head. The first time I saw Ms. Crocker, she was wearing finger symbols at the kindergarten welcome circle. She pinged them together until everyone was quiet, and then she leaned over her lap and whispered, I think people hear better when I whisper, don't you? No one said anything. We were too busy listening. After lunch, there's an all-school assembly, which means the tables get pushed back and everyone sits on the floor in rows. We're supposed to sit youngest up front, 
but in the middle, we always get mixed up. Today, my brother George's class sits in front of us, even though I'm in the fourth grade and he's in sixth. George is what my mom calls medium-functioning autistic, which means he isn't high-functioning and he isn't low-functioning. He can talk, for instance, but a lot of what he says doesn't make much sense. He's a big one for repeating lines that people have said earlier in the day. When he sees me at assembly, he says, No more water, silly boy. Hi, George, I say. He turns around on the floor to do a new joke I started at home, where I brush my teeth with my finger. To be honest, it's not that funny, but this week it's really cracking George up. George is the only one in my family who still laughs at stupid little jokes like this. He rubs his finger over his teeth to get me to do it.